God bless you. Glad you're with me. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Today, we're going to talk about two words. Ready? Confession. Ah, that's one. Saying what you did and then repenting, changing your mind and going in a different direction. Two words that are really powerful that can make a difference in your life. Some people are afraid. And I want to ask you, are you afraid to confess? Are you afraid to talk about it? We've been talking about being scared and afraid and, and just terrified to admit the truth. Well, in this study, you're going to see that God can help you with that. So don't you dare leave, my friend. Buckle up and get ready to ride with me. Be back in just a minute. Going to pray for you at the end. So enjoy today's message. Welcome back. Today, I want to take you on a journey and I want to talk about two big words, the word confess and the word repentance. I believe with all my heart that one of the hardest things in life sometimes is to get people to not be afraid to say where they are. But if you're scared and stressed out and you're not willing to say where you are, you're not willing to confess the truth and then repent, which is a great word in the Greek. It means to have a second thought. It means to say, I thought about it and I've changed my mind and now I'm going this way, not that way. And so there's something that happens in you when you do that. And I want to show you a verse. It's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. And this verse really kind of helps you see the power of what I just said. If we claim, 1 John 1 and 8, to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is a, an important place because it uses some very powerful words that the Bible uses to describe our condition. The first thing he says is sin. He talks about something that is bad for us. Think of a sin that way. It's poison. It's something that he defines as a sin because it harms you. It's not God sitting up in heaven saying, I just don't like this, so... You can't do it. It's not like that. It's like, don't eat that because it can kill you. Don't wear that because it could cause you to faint because you're going to be hot in a thousand degree weather and you're wearing a wool jacket and a hat with hair in it. I mean, that's a that's a sin <laughs> when you, and it's hot. You don't wear stuff that's overbearing because it can harm you. You know, you don't go in the water um, and try to dive without a tank because you'll drown. It's a sin your body, your body, you can't breathe underwater without, without the, the proper equipment. And so things are labeled sins because they harm you. And the Bible says that we have to be honest that none of us are without it. That's a pretty broad statement. All of us have some area of flaw. But sometimes we're scared to admit it. Scared to admit that there's something wrong. You know, church really creates this idea, this utopian idea, and all churches do this. You know, we're like an oasis of heaven. So we name ourselves after that, you know. This is the place of the holy people, the holiness, holiness church. This is the, the church that's, you know, righteous and, cl and clear. And come join us at pure, pure holiness, you know. Come join us at, you know, the, the greatest church in, in the world. And, and all these things I understand. I know we're trying to create utopians. We're trying to create places where people can feel great about themselves, overcoming by faith. That's the name of our church. You know, we help you overcome by faith. You know, we are, you know, this is a place for the total family. We had all these little buzzwords, and, they, and we try. We try to reach people, teach people, grow people, serve people. That's all good stuff. But still, despite all that, he says, none of us are without sin. Despite all the things that we try to create, none of us are without sin. 
And he said, if we, we deceive ourselves if we think we, we are. And the truth is not in us. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to say we are just living in a kind of way. I didn't say that. The point is we're still growing. That's the message. Verse 9 says, but here, if we confess it, if we can confess our sins, say, confess, say it. I struggle with, say it. God is faithful. And I love this. He's just. He's not just pointing at you. and He's just, and he's willing to forgive you all your sins and to purify you. There's hope for this. There's hope to get beyond this. You don't have to live in the same place. You don't have to have the same bondages. And some of you have had the same bondage for a long time, but that's because you haven't confessed it and you haven't really surrendered it. He goes on to say this. He says, if we claim we have not sinned, I love the way he says in the aorist tense there, not sinned, past tense. If we claim that we, it's in your past. If we if we've not, say we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And the truth is not in us. And there's some real powerful truths here you don't want to miss. And this is so important. I love the fact that he says, it starts off with you being honest. It starts off with you saying three things that John's saying in this text that I think just really can help your life get to a better place. You don't need to be afraid of this. You need to embrace this, is what he says. First of all, the truth is we all struggle with some sin. That's the truth. That's the first thing he says. The truth is we all struggle with some area of flaw or sin. All of us do. Secondly, he says the truth is it, the truth is, if we confess, that's where forgiveness happens. So in verse 8, the truth is we all struggle with some kind of sin, some area of our life that's not perfect. All of us do. Then he said the truth is that if we confess our sins, he's willing to forgive us. Thirdly, he says if we refuse to face our sinfulness, we're calling God a liar. Now, this is important because you don't want to act like uh, you've got it all figured out because you don't. Nobody does. We don't. But I think church culture, religious culture kind of leads you away from this. It leads you to pretend that everything is right. Everything is right in your messages and your sermons. And I want to tell you, one of the things that I think is really interesting about modern day preachers and the way we do religious work, you hide behind the pulpit. You don't have conversation. So there's no way for people to really honestly engage you. You know, Peter and the disciples, all of them lived near each other. They knew each other. They were around each other. They, they, they bartered together. They bought fish and sold fish, and Jesus was a carpenter, fixed homes. These people were engaged in a small community. They knew, that they knew them. They knew Jesus. They knew his family, his sisters. You know, when you read the Bible, New Testament, you get the feeling that they knew them. And there's this powerful moment when you come to a place of honesty when people know you, and let me tell you, one of the things that happens <laughs> when people see you come to God and give your life to Christ, they know you're the other side of you. They know where these flaws are. They know where your struggles are. And they know when you're not confessing it because you're afraid to look sinful or imperfect. I really believe there's a, there's a key here, though. There's something that happens, the Bible says, when you do this. You open the door for new opportunities. So let me give you what I can uh, describe here as three things that I refused to repent for when I was wrong in my life. In my life, I had seasons when I struggled to. I struggled confessing certain things. And I wrote three honest, I do this sometimes, honest moments in my life when I struggled. Three honest moments. Number one, I was wrong about people thinking about my success. That was one of my sins. 
I don't know, I had this assumption that people were going to somehow save me, help me, and they didn't. I was wrong. I was wrong about people thinking about my success. I wanted, for, I wanted uh, things that were just not going to happen the way I dreamed it. I thought I'd meet somebody and they would lead me to some other great place. And some of you entrepreneurs are like that. You're in this whole connection thing. And you end up sinning against yourself, harming yourself. You end up doing something. Now, remember I said a sin is something that harms you. You spend, you spend too much time waiting for something that wasn't promised to you. And I, I was a person who I think I, I think I got caught up in that. And I remember specifically in my early 20s, I, I, I spent too much time. As a matter of fact, probably throughout a number of my 20s, I was caught up in that. And that was, that was something I needed to confess. Ricky Temple, you need to stop waiting on people. You need to go ahead and make this happen for yourself. You need to stop knocking on doors and trying to meet this person, network. There's a value in that to a degree. But that became a weakness to me. And, and until you confess it, until you can say it, you can't get better from it. Number two, for me, I was wrong about time. I was wrong about time. My, you know, I think some of us sin when it comes to the way we use our time. And time came and went so fast for me in some areas, I really wasted some time. I did. And be clear that sometimes you, you don't see it, but it's when you, now I've come to the place, I confess, okay, I know I'll waste time. I know, so I try not to. I know that I'll lollygag, like I've said in other sermons, and I have to be careful. Uh, and so when you can admit, you know, my, my sin is I'm, I'm waiting on people to come and save me and give me money and make me successful, that's, that's, that, that, that's not going to work. I sin when I, when I, against myself by wasting time and, and, you know, not taking full advantage of the opportunity in front of me. Thirdly, I was, when I, <laughs> about being busy, uh, that was another area where I was, I was off. And I need to confess this. Temple, you're too busy. I, I wrote this down. I, I worked myself into a blind place that hindered my ability to see. I was so busy with so many things on my plate and so many obligations. Now, I understand that in order to be successful, to be, have what I have, you have to have a certain level of, of work ethic. There is a busy that comes with this. There comes a moment when you can honestly say to yourself, okay, I was... Um, going full speed, but forgetting my wife, forgetting my children, forgetting my health, forgetting myself, forgetting my emotions. And so if you take all I've just said and you go back to the beginning of our conversations, if we claim to be without any sin, if we won't admit that those things are in our lives, if we won't admit we're wasting time, we won't admit we're ignoring God, if we won't admit, if we, if we ignore that, if we claim there's nothing wrong with us, and there are a lot of people like that, I nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with me, I'm not, I ain't got to go to counseling, I'm fine. The Bible says you're deceiving yourself. It's when you can confess it, verse 8 and 9 says, it's when you can, if you confess our sins, if we can say, okay, I know I'm wrong. I know I've got some areas in my life. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess, verse 9, our sins, he's faithful and just. God's willing to help you, but you've got to say it. But I've learned that I couldn't say it because I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. God couldn't lift me because I wouldn't admit temple. Come on, man. You're too busy. You got too many things on your plate. You got too many people in your life. You got too many interruptions in your life. You got too many things going on in the wrong direction. You got to pause 
And you've got to be honest about what's happening in your life. You can look in the mirror and go, what in the world is going on? Man, look at that, look at that, look at that. What? Jesus, help me. God, what is happening here? And you can, if you're honest, you can say, that ain't good. That's not good. You know, this has been hurting. That's been hurting. I haven't checked on anything. I need to say I have a tendency not to check. I have a tendency to let things just go. I have a tendency. I have a tendency. You know, you look in the mirror, all the teeth are just, just they're changing colors and they're coming out. And you're going, oh, it's fine. Just one gone. Just one. Just one. <laughs> I mean, come on, pause. Confess. I remember, this is a side statement here. I went to the dentist. And I, I've been, I'm pretty good fluff. My mom taught me, you know, floss and brush. Um, and she's always telling me, you know, about the importance of those basic things. But you ignore it. And then one day I went. And it's, it's, it's a typical Christian attitude. I went to the dentist and they told me, hey, you know, you're going to have to really floss more. You're going to have to really make sure you keep up with your, your oral hygiene, you know. And um, flossing wasn't a big part of it. And making sure I got them cleaned every, you know, a couple times a year, year once a year. I just... Um, I just didn't, I wasn't at that level. But when I started, when I, when I, I remember I was sitting in that, in that dentist chair, and for some reason I was really afraid. The series is, you know, indicative. I was just afraid for some reason to be there. And I remember I made a decision right then. Okay, let's say the truth. You need to do better. Listen to what they tell you. Learn to floss every day. Learn to rinse. Learn to, learn to keep up with your hygiene. I mean, and I mean, I, it, it's, it's a simple thing, but it, it's really been a blessing to me. And I think one of the things I've learned is that's an example. I'm in, I'm in there praying, too. I'm praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a good doctor's report. I pray for my... Listen, if you don't floss and brush, you can pray all you want. They're coming out. You can ask God all you want to. If you don't take any time for yourself and deal with yourself, if you can't confess your faults, if you, if you claim to be without sin, you claim to be, you, you're fine in every area, you are, listen to verse 8, 1 John 1 and 8, you are deceiving yourself. And I really believe religious people are prone to this. They're prone to this. They're prone to this. They, they don't want to be, you know, um, blamed. They don't want to be wrong. Seth Godin talks about this in his book. Um, on teams that you know, they don't want to be they don't want to be wrong they want to be perfect they want to make sure things are right in their lives sometimes in life it's when you can say maybe this church is where it is because we're not doing something right maybe this home is where it is because we haven't done something right it's, and we're too afraid because somehow we're not going to look holy we can't say what's wrong I think the key is being able to say confess what's wrong and repent change Think again. This isn't working. Making bad grades in school. This isn't working. Getting into strife with people. Fighting all the time. This is not working. Let me change. Now let me give you what I, as I close, my, uh, what changed my life and reopened the doors of opportunity. One of the things that happens when you don't change is you lose opportunity. So let me show you four things that I've done that I think helped me. Number one, I took an honest look at what I was, what I was creating. I took an honest look at what I was creating. I took an honest look at the things that were, were growing in my life. Debt, uh, strife, tension, insecurity. I've got to, I'm not going to do it today, but man, I've, I've been praying about this insecurity thing. I wrote this great teaching series I'm going to do on insecurity. It's so amazing 
how it just creeps in your life. At no matter, at every level of income, every level of opportunity, you start questioning yourself, doubting yourself. But you got to come to a point where you're honest and you look at what you're creating. You look at the kids you're creating. You look at the strife you're creating. You look at that. That's the first thing. Number two, here's what I did. Took an honest look at what was hindering me. What's hindering me? Get honest about that. Is the alcohol helping you? The drugs helping you? Is, is sleeping around with everybody helping you? Is this helping you? You know, talking and gossiping, helping you, being mad all the time. Is this, is this helpful? How's it working for you? Number three, took an honest look at the people around me and their destination. I take an honest look at who's hanging with me. I, I got to look around me, take inventory and say, okay, I'm with a bunch of people who are out of control, so is this where I need to be? Do I want to go where they're going? So let me just back up to that point again. Number three, take an honest look at the people around me and their destination. I want to take an honest look at the people around me and their destination. I want to look at where those people are going. An honest look at them. The people around me, now if they're going in the wrong direction and I'm following them, where are they going to take me? Where are those people going to take me? If I hang with the wrong people and I listen to those people, sometimes I can tell I have a saying, if I want to know where you're going, I just need to ask your friends. That's all. Watch your friends. Your friends tell me where you're headed because you're going where they're going because you hang with them. So I take an honest look at what I'm creating, an honest look at what it was hindering me, an honest look at the people around me and their destination. Here's the last one. You ready? Number four, take an honest look at the facts in my life. The facts, facts about my life, my family, my leadership. How am I leading? An honest look. And if I do that and I'm willing to confess it and change if necessary, repent and say, OK, this isn't good for my family. This is not good for me. If I'm willing to do that, the Bible says, God, will forgive me. He'll restore me. He'll bless me. And my future will be amazing. My time is up. And I want to tell you something, friend. You get a chance to decide to be scared to do this and not lose. Or you can choose to rise up and make this thing something that works in your life. There are four things I've talked to you about that I want you to remember. I talked about being scared to change in our first sermon. I talked about being scared to confront things. I talked about being scared to try. And now I've talked about being scared to confess and repent. I hope you take those four things and say to yourself, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to allow myself to be scared and stressed out because I, I won't change, because I won't confront things, because I won't try. I don't, I don't want to be the person who's so afraid to confess that a God can't get me to the place he wants me to be. I want to pray for you today, and I want this to be a moment for you to, to think in your life about making a turn. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. May it lift them to a new place. As we step into our brand new series coming up on celebration, may they celebrate their freedom and celebrate the power that you want to instill in their life. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. If there's anybody that's listening doesn't know your Savior, never gave Jesus their life, may this be the moment they say, Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. I pray this would be a turning point for them. And I give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're able to do. And I know you can, Lord God, lift their life to a new place. But it starts with the confession and admission. And when they can admit it, they can get free from it. But if they can't admit it, they can't be. But may this be the moment they admit they need you in their life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I can see you have now heard from John and he said to you and to me, if we confess, if we're willing to admit, we can say, hey, this is where it is. Whether we're afraid or not, that God's willing to forgive us of anything we've done wrong. This starts with a confession. It starts with an admission. I was wrong here or there in marriage, in life, in business. I'm telling you in leadership, boy, I'll tell you, in followership, when you're the follower, wherever you are on the spectrum, if you learn to confess honestly the truth, and in our culture, that's something we can't let go of. The day we let go of truth, we're in trouble. Confess your faults honestly and then say you're sorry. If you don't, it brings judgment on your life. So let me pray for you today because this could be that moment for you of a turnaround for everything you've been going through. Father, help us to confess our wrong. Help us to confess what we've gotten off track. Let us say we're sorry. Let us have a second thought. Don't go north, go south now. Changing our direction, the way we communicate, the way we live. May it bring peace and healing to our lives. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with me today. It's been a pleasure. I love you, appreciate you, and I thank you for the opportunity to come in your home. If the message blessed you, link it, send it to a friend. I'll see you next time. Got more to talk about. Hey, look, look, let me tell you, right down the road, it's going to be a big celebration coming. We got a lot going on next month. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.